Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. happy hosts broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. And our goal from our radio show today, like all of our other radio shows that we've always done for you guys, is to educate you, motivate you, and most importantly, get you into action. So a lot of you guys are searching through life for the secret and how to basically be financially free. Those are the three words, education, motivation, and ultimately the actions that you take. The actions, by the way, that being, you know, don't mistake that uh, being the least important just because it's the last word I used, action is absolutely positively the most important thing you can do. When you combine those three words with our other mantra, which a lot of you guys, I get emails from you saying, you were telling us we say it too often, but I don't think we do. Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level is what matters. Julie, yeah, I've been getting emails from people saying we say that too often. Yeah, well, my you know. first coaching call of one of my private clients today, first thing she said was, I just want you to know that today I did what I didn't want to do when I didn't want to do it, and I did it anyway because I hear you say that. And what she meant was she got up and went to the gym at 8 a.m. So I don't think we yeah. can say it enough. Well, because ultimately that is the ultimate determinant of whether you're going to be successful in life is your willingness to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the mm-hmm. highest level. And obviously the more educated you are, and, and by the way, I just read a very interesting Bloomberg article I want to share with all of our listeners today on the probability of becoming a millionaire. And you guys can find this. Hmm. It was on Bloomberg Bloomberg News today. Just hit up Google, go to Bloomberg, you know, put in search uh, keywords, Bloomberg News. It's one of the uh, main stories on Bloomberg. So, um, but, well, actually, I'll just jump to it. So it talks about the probability of uh, becoming a, a millionaire and at what age most people become millionaires, what effect education has on your likelihood of becoming a millionaire. And I assume they meant just single millionaires. And it also broke down the probability of becoming a millionaire by race. And all these things are very interesting. I guess one of the biggest takeaways, and none of these things should be particularly obvious to any of you guys, is most people don't become millionaires until they're um, really until they're about retirement age. And that's true with virtually, virtually all the different races. Um, and I thought I don't think that's really particularly surprising because a lot of people basically, have, you know, learn the power of compounding interest and they have their stuff paid off and all that. But that doesn't mean that it has to take that long for you to enjoy the lifestyle, the benefits, or the financial freedom and security of having essentially, you know, just that financial freedom and security. You don't have to wait that long. You can actually. Um, Frankly, you can just follow in the footsteps of others and, and, and progress a lot quicker. You don't have to wait until you're the average age of 61, which was what it was according to this report. And the other thing, I don't think, again, this is particularly surprising either, is the effect of education on becoming a millionaire. And there was a direct correlation between education and, of course, this, you know they're talking about college degrees and whatnot. But I would suggest that education can't just end at college. And education throughout your life is really what makes the biggest difference. I mean, it's amazing how fast just the real estate industry and what you have to do to be successful on an ongoing basis, how often that changes. So if you're not staying on the leading edge of what it takes to be successful, then chances are you're going to fall behind. That's what's kind of scary, and I read this in a lot of the emails you guys send to me. You guys are a lot of, a lot of you guys are scared because 
it's the beginning of a new year. And this is especially true, I think. You know, Julie, I think you and I downplay this too much, but, I, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of folks that are very successful, they're actually the ones that are the most pressured and the most stressed uh, to repeat their success in the past. You know, they're the ones that are willing to work hard, willing to take the right actions. But sometimes these really successful folks or people that have been successful in the past, they're doing what they did in the past, but they're not getting the results that they did in the past. And they're frustrated by it. And then psychologically what happens is they start thinking that they're less than, that they're not good, you know, mm-hmm. somehow their best days are behind them. I, I read that in emails. I hear that in coaching calls. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys the answer to all that. Chances are it's not you. That's the truth. It, chances are it's what you're doing. Now, what you're doing is two things. Please listen to me if you're feeling this way. What you're doing is, A, what you're actually doing. In other words, you know, maybe with the things that you did to make money five years ago don't work today. That's very normal in every kind of business, but especially in the real estate industry. So what you were doing to generate leads or the scripts you were using when you were, say, calling an un- uh, you know, unrepresented owner, which we, you know, a.k.a. FISBO, maybe those scripts aren't working at the same level as they were before. Okay, so and the second thing is, it's, you know, basically it's what you learn and it's what you, the actions that you take, right? And so the actions, are you, when you're applying the wrong stuff and you're not getting the, ro- the results that you want to be getting, you, it, it's, you know, it's not really your fault in, to the point that you don't necessarily know that what you're doing isn't working at the same level. And it's, like I said, it's easy to blame yourself. So what you've got to do is you've got to be honest with yourself, right? And when was the last time you actually went through every aspect of the way you're running your business and questioned it, whether it could be done better. Because I promise you, there's, no, there's not a single aspect of your business that can't be improved upon. There's not a single script that can't be made better, a single objection handler that you can't uh, you know, basically uh, master at a higher level or, frankly, just toss out the window and use a completely different one. There's so many different ways, and that's what's so cool about being an entrepreneur, about being a business owner, being in this industry. There's so many ways that you can uh, essentially improve your business and at the same time, obviously, put yourself in a position to help more people and make more money. Oftentimes, the improvements that are necessary isn't about just throwing everything out the window and starting from you know zero. It's often about just tweaking what you're already doing, uh, revising what you're already doing, and it usually requires less than 10% more effort than you're putting in. You know, so that's that's kind of the neat thing. So if you're feeling scared, or if you're feeling a little overwhelmed, or if you're feeling any of those sort of negative emotions. Understand that you can directly control the results that you're getting. If there's anything that we can be doing for you guys, always remember you can email Julie and I directly at uh, Julie at or com. And this is a perfect time of year. Of course, really any time of year is a perfect time of year. But it's a perfect time of year to get your business plan done. And if you haven't done that yet, well, we've made it easy for you. Just request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And when you do, we're going to give you copies of our, uh, well, two of our eight books, but we're going to give you a real estate treasure map. And um, we're also going to give you Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate. Think and Grow Rich for Real Estate is an updated version of Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich, which hopefully all of you guys are familiar with. And if not, that should be definitely something you're going to want to read. And the real estate treasure map is our business plan. Again, we give you digital versions of both books when you request a free coaching call. So it's kind of a no-brainer. There's no obligation. Just request the call. You get the link to download the book, start reading. So, Julie, I believe we have an email from a listener, Patrice. I know you're listening, yeah. Patrice. I believe we have a listener's email. And again, guys, email any of your comments and current concerns directly to us. We always appreciate the criticism. Oh, and Julie, somebody did catch me. 
using a bad word on the radio show the other day. And so we mm-hmm. are going to have to mail a $20 check. Uh, and you know who you are, and I asked you for your address so we could mail you the money. So you have to email us your address back, and I, as I promise I'll do, we'll mail you the money. So we'll when do you it. Catch me, when you catch me using a bad word, whoever emails us first gets 20 bucks. I'm trying to break myself of that habit. So, Julie, yeah. go ahead and read the email. Okay, perfect. So a special shout-out to Ms. Patrice Horvath in Silicon Valley. So if you have any great referrals going to Silicon Valley, she's your gal. So here's Patrice's uh, great email. She says, Hi, Tim and Julie. I enjoy the radio shows very much. I listen most mornings on podcast. Missed this morning, so listened in the evening today. Some shows resonate more than others. Today's part four of the 30 life lessons was amazingly good and message delivered so directly. I loved it. And I agree. Here in Silicon Valley over the past two weeks, there has been a shift. Homes that would have sold for 15% over list, that's right, you guys who don't live in Silicon Valley, you heard that right, would have sold for 15% (laughs) plus over list, that does happen, with five offers sold for just 5% over and just two offers. So that shows you the differences from market to market, right, that that is a shift for Silicon Valley, what their numbers look like. By the way, really enjoying coaching. Nick is her coach. She says, Nick is great, and I have changed quite a few things, both mindset and behavior. Thanks, Patrice. So thank you so much for um, reaching out, Patrice, and I'm so glad that you are enjoying the radio shows. It's normal that some will resonate more than others, so I always say, you know, if you can pull one thing out of each show, then implement it, talk about it with your coach, you know, digest it, and uh, then you're doing good. And some shows, it's going to be like point after point, hey, that show was all about me. How did they know that they were talking to me? So I'm glad that it's resonating with you, and you're a great coaching client. Keep up the good work, and I know you're going to have a fantastic year this year, Patrice, so thank you again for reaching out. And remember, guys, you can listen to our past radio shows. We have literally hundreds of them. We've been doing this for more than two years, and we do the radio shows, you guys know, every day, every work day. Um, so you can go back and listen to them. They're on Inman, uh, you know, Inman.com. You guys can just find us there. Or you can also go to um, realestatecoachingradio.com and listen to all the past replays there as well. It was over the, you know, it was fun over the holidays, Julia. I was getting emails from people that were saying they had basically were ear gorging on our past <laughs> podcasts. You know, I was, I was, I was eye gorging on, um, uh, st- uh, was it uh, uh, Game of Cards? What's it called? On, on Game Netflix. of Thrones. Oh, no, 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 you're, no, you're uh, House of yeah. Cards. But, House of Cards, yes, that was my yeah. little eye gorging. So a lot of you guys Missing were ear gorging on our, yeah. So listen, we were talking about this week, and we were talking about last week. Um, Thirty things we wish we would have known we were th- when we were thirty. Uh, Julie and I put this list together over a couple of our morning walks, and you know we went on a long drive, and you know so we wrote all these ideas down. They're not in a particular order. Um, you know, but these are all really important things. These are kind of the things that we kind of we wish we would have known when we were 30. And had we known when we were 30 all these things, we would have saved ourselves a lot of struggle. Uh, now, I'm 46, and Julie's well this year, and Julie's going to be 45 this year. So these are still important lessons that all of us need to know. A lot of these lessons we learned from our own experience, but most uh, we are, I guess, blessed enough to know that the Chinese proverb that a smart man learns from his mistakes, but a brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. Julie and I were first exposed to that back when we were in our early 20s, and we believed it. And so we've been all, we've always been, you know, we've always been absolute um, pounds for education. And oftentimes that's come in the way of podcasts like this or books. Or, um, and fortunately, we've had been blessed with a lot of great mentors and coaches ourselves in our lives. So these are all really, really important lessons. A lot of them, 
you guys are going to have maybe think you've heard before, but we'll be adding, a, I think, a unique twist to it, and others you haven't heard before. And some of the weird ones are some of the ones, the points that I know you guys probably haven't heard before, like, you know, which I think we're going to share this one with you or already have. Uh, you know, like this is a point that always gets people, that ruffles their feathers, is when the going gets tough, the smart leave. You know, I mean, it, that's you guys have probably never heard that before. I hadn't heard it prior to me being told that by uh, one of our early mentors. It was a really great life-changing point that has positively affected us all of our lives. So um, those types of things you guys make note of, think about, internalize, uh, don't take for granted. Chances are if you really do give yourself the opportunity to think, to question, set, set aside your skepticism, set aside your, you know, whatever your little – your, your ego is telling you that's preventing you from listening and learning. Even if you come across an idea that you're in conflict with, that's okay. It's kind of fun to come in conflict, ideas that are in conflict, because it gives you an opportunity. It forces you into a situation where you have to question your own dogma. You know, so if you come across something that you, even just not from this podcast, but in life in general, opposed to just summarily rejecting it, try to understand it. Try to understand it from the other perspective. Try to understand how it might have an effect on your life if you were to apply whatever that is before you just summarily write it off because that's the way you've always thought. Okay, The way you always thought doesn't need necessarily mean it needs to be the way you always will think. And maybe some of the thoughts that you're having that you hold on to so dearly are the very things that are causing you to struggle and not really live the life that you could otherwise be living. So, Julie, my dear, I believe we're on point, yes. like, what point are we on? 13. Point number 13. Point number okay, 13. jump in. Okay, yes. so, and I think this is one of our most critical points. They're all important. But this one, you must be a listing agent. Master the five money-making activities in real estate and forget the rest. The rest is just looking like work and being a distraction. So where are those money-making things? Lead generation lead follow-up, pre-qualifying, presenting, negotiating, and closing. Lather, rinse, repeat. So why is it so critical to be a listing agent? Well, there's a couple of very clear points to demonstrate this, if you've never thought about it. Number one, working with buyers is manual labor. You are literally out there physically working in the field, unlocking doors, trudging through houses, driving people around. Listings, yes, you got to drive now and then, but more than uh, buyers listing, yes, it's mental labor. You have to be good. You got to study your scripts. You got to have more skill. But here's the thing: how many highly motivated, let's say slightly pushy because they're really motivated buyers, can you work with at one time? I mean, realistically, for most people, it's four to five. If you're a dedicated buyer's agent with nothing else to worry about, maybe your threshold is higher. But for most agents, where you're working every aspect of the business, your threshold for buyers maybe five or six to actually do a good job for them. How many active listings can you manage at the same time? It's more than five. Some of you guys are managing 40, 50, 60 listings at once. And for those of the rest of you who aren't doing that, those agents do still have a life. In fact, their lifestyle is better as a listing agent with lots of inventory because they always have other agents out there showing it for them. So there you have it. That's, that's well, the most break that you down. Know, well, obvious break that down way I can said. say it. Break well, that down. What you just yeah. said. When she when she said you have other agents out there showing them for you. Let's just let's just look at this. The most successful agents in the country are listing agents. There's no question about that. That should just seem like duh, right? So mm -hmm. they're they are the listing agents, and generally speaking, and this will shock a lot of you, they aren't working with a lot of buyers. 
because they don't have to. That means they don't have so mm-hmm. when you work with buyers, when you're primarily a buyer's agent, that means that you're basically working when other people don't work, which means you're working in the evenings and the weekends, which means you're working when you otherwise would have been spending time doing things, you know, with your family or your fr- your friends or, you know, you're spending time working when other people won't work. You become like a vampire almost, right? Mm-hmm. And that means that you're stuck in this paradigm that you're essentially, when everyone else is working, you're essentially, you know, what are you doing? You have really kind of like meandering about through life doing busy work. And then on the weekends, you're just jammed up with buyers. On the weekends, you're just jammed up with buyers. Guys, here's the thing. If you're primarily a listing agent, you do have, you take one listing. You have literally every other agent in, in the MLS that's working for you who is working with buyers trying to sell that listing for you. You take one listing, you create leverage. You take 10 listings, you create more leverage. Some of you have this mental, emotional block to the idea, how am I ever going to service that many sellers? Well, here's the beauty of it. In most markets, if you have 10 listings, now some markets it might only be five, other markets it might be 50, so don't close your mind to this concept. But in most markets, if you have, say, 10 listings, it's safe to say that three or four will be in contract at all times. So if you have three or four pendings at all times, and let's say your commission is $10,000 each, that means you're going to make a pretty steady thirty dollars to $40,000 a month. You can easily hire a really great assistant to manage your listings for you. So all the customer service stuff that you are intimidated by now because you don't think you can handle it if you had more than one listing, you can easily delegate. It's a beautiful, elegant, simple business. That is the ideal situation. Now, you spend your time what? You spend your time obviously promoting your listings. You spend your time replacing the listings that sell. You can then handpick the buyers if you want to work with any buyers at all. I have... I, over the years, you know, over the past 20 years, Julie and I have been coaching agents. We have had um, many, 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 many top-producing agents that make literally millions of dollars per year that only list homes, never work with buyers. Some of them have tried delegating to buyer's agents. A lot of them have gotten frustrated with that. And so now what they do is they refer their buyers out to agents in their market or their office even who only work with buyer's agents, and they collect referral fees, right? So, I mean, there's so many – there's such a wonderful life ahead of you if you decide to take on the challenge and take on the mental work of being a listing agent. That's really a critical point. Buyers is physical work. Sellers is mental work. Mental work that you can master quicker than you think. You know, here's a funny thought, Julie. What's the, what is the uh, blizzard that's starting to blanket, you know, the Northeast? What is it called? They have, it has some little cute name, like Stevie oh, or something. Oh, I don't remember it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it's happening right now. So so if you're mm-hmm. in in that market, you know, we're from Ohio, so believe me, we understand what that's like. And you have buyers, mm-hmm. you have to show houses this weekend or a, a real buyer. Just remember the fact that you could have you could yeah. if you were a listing agent, you could have, you know, basically sat at home petting your golden retriever by your fireplace drinking hot cocoa mm-hmm. and uh, while other agents were out there showing your listings trying to show trying to sell your listings shoveling their so way to the door. That. That's right. <laughs> yeah, if you have right, any doubt point. whether it's, uh, you know, manual labor or not, physical labor, yeah, try showing the snowstorm. <laughs> yeah. So, Or worse than that, have all of your appointments canceled because there's a snowstorm. You're only When you're very buyer dependent, you're really only as good as your next buyer appointment. That's not so with a listing agent who has many, many listings and is recycling them and going through them. So become a listing agent. And if you are not a listing agent at the level you wish to be, you got to spend some time on that and ask yourself specifically, why is that? 
Is it because you don't have a pre-listing package? Is it because you wing it on listing presentations? Is it because you know you just list what comes to you because you don't really want to compete and you just take listings where it's a slam dunk? Well, if that's who you are, you're only ever going to be able to take so many listings if you're not competing at that level. Is it because you're not really well, great they, at pricing? Go ahead. It's just they don't know how. I mean, isn't that the bottom line, Julie? They Essentially, don't know but I, I'm trying to don't... drill down on for you personally right. to listeners – what is the issue? Because then all you have to do is go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Let us know that that is what you're working on. Make me a listing agent. That's one of the things that our coaches specialize at, but there's different flavors of that. Maybe you basically have it together that because your market's changing, you don't really have a grip on pricing. Maybe you're okay unless you have to compete, and we need to deal with that. What is the issue? That is what we do. So ask for help. Don't continue to go through life not being a listing agent at that level that would get you to the next level financially, we can help you with that. Don't go it alone. That was one of our previous points from other shows. Back yep. to you, Tim. Oh, you don't want to read point number 14. Okay, oh, you're ripping I out on that no, one. Tom. Uh, uh, go ahead. Shoot. Read point number 14. Oh. Point number okay, but here, here it is. We've talked, about, we've talked about point 14 before, and we always mm. get emails from people because they don't like it. Oh, but know. you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't make it, it, doesn't Too make bad. it untrue. So, that's right. So point number 14, Julie. Point number 14. That's right. We're going to say it. Don't get fat. <laughs> Don't dress like someone who isn't successful. People treat you based on how you look. We can't change that for you, whether you like it or hate it. It doesn't matter. It is a fact of life. They base their judgment on how you look, what you drive. All of that stuff matters. Look at Chris Christie. What do people think when they see him? He's probably one of the most talented and experienced people to run for president in our lifetimes. But is he going to win? No, because of how people are judging him based on his looks. Yes, that's harsh, but you all know, and that's why we use him as an example, because you all know who we're talking about, you know, it's true. How many times maybe you personally have made a joke about it? It's not because he's not talented politically. It's not because he doesn't know what he's doing, not because he's not a great speaker. It's because of how he presents himself, okay? So can you overcome that? Can you fix that? I'll tell you one of the things that the coaches are noticing, Tim, it's very interesting, you know, it wasn't so long ago that we had a show about bomb bomb videos. And we're yep. talking about using the videos as a method of communication and a supplement to what you're already doing to make it all better. These are emailed videos, have a higher open rate, it's all trackable. Listen to the previous show. So the resistance that some coaching clients are giving that. And so the coach drills down and finds out, why is that? Well, it's because I don't feel like I look good on camera. Well, why is that? Well, I need to update my wardrobe and I need to lose 40 pounds. Okay, so it's very telling. You know, that's not something that coaching clients come right out on the first call and tell their coach, but as soon as we ask them to video, say, their, uh, do a video and send to their past clients as an outreach, or maybe use a video for prospecting, then all of a sudden the truth comes out, and that's why they're resisting the video. So what are the coaches doing? We're using this as a goal-setting device that we're going to use BombBomb starting on this date, and you have between now and then to clean up your act. Maybe it's not always weight. Some of them just, you know, they send a picture and we're like, when did you buy that suit? Like 1983? What is up with this? Okay, fix your wardrobe, fix your haircut, get a new pair of glasses that's more updated and modern looking. All of this is great stuff for you to be working on under the category of upgrade everything. Put it in your goals list. Work with your coach. There's nothing wrong with that. This is one of the things that we do is to hold you accountable to taking not just your skill to the next level, but your outward approach and your look, because we know 
that people are judging you all the time. I call it the two-second snapshot. People spend two seconds, and some people you can actually see them looking you up and down. It's like they're taking an inventory of you. What's, what kind of watch do you have? What do your shoes look like? What are you driving? You can actually visually see them doing that. You're not going to ever defeat that, so you might as well learn to play the game and be better at it. Would you agree with that, Tim, having been through many listing appointments ourselves? Well, so those are the two thoughts I was having, right? I was thinking, first of all, when Julie and I sold real estate, um, she and I weren't as health conscious as we are now. And there was a time when both of, she and I were both about 20 pounds overweight. And so for those of you guys who are looking for basically the secret to losing weight, there is no secret. It's basically, here it is, ready? It's very simple. It's monitor the carbs that you're intaking. If not, just literally go on an Atkins-type diet. Virtually all modern uh, science is proven Despite the fact that they tried to discredit Atkins for years, they've proven that in essence that we have too many carbs, and that's essentially what your body is using to store fat. So if you were to cut back on the carbs, just research this yourself, guys. It's not brain surgery. It's common information. And then here's the other thing that's interesting. Um, a lot of people think that like running and doing cardio is what basically gives you the best fat burn, and that's not true. It's actually lifting weights. But you don't have to try to be trained to become a Navy SEAL to lose weight. If you cut back on the carbs and you start increasing your physical uh, output on a regular basis by like 15 or 20 minutes a day, you will lose weight faster than you think. It's not probably, for most of you, it's what you're eating that's uh, actually uh, keeping you fat less than what you're not doing. I don't doubt if there's too many of you that just sit the whole day on the couch. Most of you just have these addictions to things that are making you fat. So whatever food product is in front of you right now, I challenge you to flip it over to the nutrition label and read how many carbs are in there. So if you're eating something or drinking something that's more than like three or four carbs, that is almost 100% sugar. And there's lots of other research that has shown that uh, one of the beliefs that some of us are developing, are, you know, society is developing more forms of rare diseases, is because our bodies are not used to consuming that much sugar. Sugar is proven to be an addictive substance. And literally when you do the Atkins thing or whatever version of the Atkins thing you choose to do, you will start feeling yourself having withdrawal from the sugar, just like if you were trying to withdraw from caffeine or any other kind of, you know, drug in essence. So please take that seriously. You can control that. It's not rocket science. There's tons of research out there that tells you exactly how to do it. Take that seriously because when you find yourself in physical better condition, when you're looking great, you're going to feel great. You're then going to be more motivated, and all these things will start coming together quicker for you. Um, but at the same time, if you're basically looking at this huge mountain of weight loss, I, you know, basically just follow the pr process we just told you. Start monitoring your carbs and then here's what's going to happen. We've said this on the radio before, and I've often said, like, I'll forget that I said this, like, tonight. I won't remember I said, talk to you guys about carbs and all this. But then it will be about 60 to 90 days from now. Some of you will email and say, Tim, I listened to what you and Julie said, and I did what you suggested, and you won't believe it, I lost 20 pounds. I mean, that happens every single time, guys. It's that I hate using the word easy, but it really is that easy. It really is that simple. Uh, you know, it's, it's, don't believe that you have to have some sort of secret recipe. It's kind of common sense when you just allow your emotions, set your emotions aside and just start using your logic a little bit when it comes to things like health. All right, so the next point is something we touched on already. Um, I already scanned it where it is. Oh, there you go. Uh, where did it, uh, okay, yes, point 15, thank you. Okay, so this next one, I'll tell you guys the story of this one real quick because I think some of you will appreciate this. There was a guy named Jim Klimbiel, and uh, Julie and I met him through his son, whose also name was Jim, 
and they started one of the first REITs in the country. So this was back in the late 80s, and I won't bore you with the reasons why we crossed paths with them, but Jim Klimbiel Sr., um, we were talking about essentially uh, business in general because he's obviously very successful in business. And he told me something that at the time I didn't understand, but I've never forgotten. I mean, I didn't understand it. I was probably, you know, not ready for the message, but I didn't forget it. And then I started to apply it. And here it was. When the going gets tough, the smart leave. Now, see, I'd been raised with the mindset, and so did Julie, so have all of you, by the way, that when the going gets tough, the smart get going. Or, you know, basically your idea is that when things start getting tough, you just basically double down and you, you fight back. I mean, that's probably a saying that came from, like, the fact that the country was so, you know, agrarian-based and we were all farmers and, you know, our ancestors were all essentially, you know, they couldn't just pick up and leave. So no matter what was happening, they had to just work harder. Well, what Clendale was saying is if you wanted to make money, when the going gets tough, the smart leaves. So if you find yourself in a market that's not working, you got to think about leaving and going across town or you maybe even moving out of state. If you find yourself in any kind of situation where basically it's just not working, you just feel like you're beating the head against the wall, how much energy are you spending trying to make something work, whereas you could use that same energy or less energy in many cases in a place that was more receptive to the opportunities that you're looking for if you were just to basically have the courage to get going opposed to, you know, I'm sorry, to, to leave opposed to just, you know, trying to make something work that isn't destined to work. That is how business works. That is how extremely wealthy people think. They don't just stick around and try to make something, you know, they don't keep on trying to pump oil out of the ground if the well's dry. They'll move to other opportunities. Now, I've been reading the book, the great book by, um, it was about uh, uh, Rockefeller. It was called, uh, what is it called? Da, 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 da. Help me remember, Julie, I told you. Titan. The uh, book's called Titan. Titan. Yes. Yep. And you guys should read that book. It's long. But here's the thing I learned about Rockefeller. He was he was uh, thought to believe be the richest man uh, in America, not the richest man ever. That was Julius Caesar, who was worth $2 trillion, apparently, by the way. But Rockefeller was believed to be the richest man in America ever. And one of the things he did throughout his entire career is when one thing stopped working, he didn't just you know fold up shop. He moved on to something else. How many of you guys have had the courage to do that in your lives? even on a micro level. So be monitoring. Like I, I'll suggest to you that every single one of you need to question your listing presentation, your pre-listing pack. Every single one of you need to question, especially any places that you're buying leads from. That's the big no-no. I mean, you know, how many of you guys are buying leads from all the portals and then you're realizing the leads are costing more and you're getting fewer and you're frustrated about it and you're just going to try to stick it out and make it work? That's not how a business person thinks. A business person looks at it analytically and says to himself, this isn't working, I'm going to leave. I'm, when it's going gets tough, the smart leave, okay? So that's what you've got to do too. Challenge yourself this year to make this the start. I know a lot of you, especially our coaching clients, have had a great past two or three years, the best of your careers. Do not allow yourself to level off. Take it to the next level. Whatever I know a lot of you guys are in places where you never thought you would be financially. We hear that from our coaching clients all the time. And what I'm scared of for you about that is that some of you are going to become complacent. And what happens when you become complacent, it's impossible to stay at the same level. You can't just say life is good enough, my health is good enough, my relationships are good enough, my financial situation is good enough, my business is good enough, my everything is good enough. You cannot say that. I would love it if you could. Believe me, that would be fantastic. Because what happens is, when you become complacent at anything in your life, you know, you could pick on the five categories of life, right? Physical, family, um, 
you know, educational, spiritual. If you become complacent in any of those categories, you'll lose what you have, and you'll lose it faster than you think. If you say, I've got enough money, I'm good, ah, I'm all good. What's going to happen is inflation is going to eat away at your money. Some of your investments are going to go south. And because you're not replacing that money, you are going to lose what you have. If, same with physical, same with spiritual, same with family. We are not designed as organisms to stay complacent at all. Our bodies are constantly changing. Our thoughts are constantly changing. Our emotions are constantly changing. The world is constantly changing. Everything around us is changing. But if you mentally try to be complacent and keep yourself put in any important aspect of your life, you will lose what you have. So it's really important that you guys understand that. Listen, I know we're over time. Uh, Julie's actually had to jump off to go to a coaching call. If we can do anything for you guys, if we can help you in any way, please remember to request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. We love doing this show for you. We love the getting the feedback. If you have any suggestions, any you know tips, anything at all that would help us improve uh, the information we're delivering, anybody you'd suggest that we interview or maybe you think we should have you on the show as a guest, we're lining up our guests, uh, guests right now. Are, we're going to have a lot of really incredible folks that we're going to be um, you know, basically interviewing so you guys can listen to. We've interviewed, obviously, all of our coaching, you know, a lot of our uh, top coaching clients, a lot of the folks from the Million Dollar Listing TV shows, a lot of the top agents in the country, most of which you know, are coaching clients. So we're going to expose you guys to more of those top thinkers, but I'm going to give you a little hint. Most of what you're going to hear from them is what you're hearing from us because they heard it from us in the first place and they've applied it and it's worked. So consider doing the same thing. In the meantime, if there's anything we can do for you, again, please request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com and have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.